A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Gare out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, It is never too little, it is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geberer. To Jewish History Soundbites. This is Yehuda Geber with another episode of Jewish History Soundbites. And we are launching a mini-series about Rav Baruch Ber Leibovitch, the famed Rosh Hashiva of Kamenitz. And this entire series has been generously sponsored anonymously by a close uh, relation, connection to Rav Baruch Ber. Um want to, before we get into Rav Baruch Ber, and there's a lot to speak about, and we'll hopefully have, hopefully fit it all into a three-part mini-series over the holiday season here, and um, uh, if not, we'll have to go to a fourth part. Never stopped us, and um, also, I was on, just had the privilege of being interviewed by a wonderful podcast uh, called The Sfarim Chatter. The host was fantastic, Nachi Weinstein. And if you don't already listen to The Sfarim Chatter, I recommend that you should, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. It's, uh, you know, I, th- I found the host very uh, in- interesting and entertaining. I hope I, I was not too boring. And I just wanted to read a couple of letters from previous episodes before we get into it. Um, we just had a Mujitz episode recently about the Mujitz dynasty, so we had read part of a letter. You left out Reb Shol Yedidya Taub, the Mujitz Rebbe, his influence on Yeshiva's Torah Vadas, including people like Reb Meisha Wolfson. Um, and then he has over here Mujitz tidbits you may not have known. Reb Yisrael Dun Taub was a Dayan before he became the Rebbe, the base Medrash in Dizengoff, was actually hit by one of the terrorist attacks before it, right before it moved to Bnei Brak. Rebenzin Shanker's older brother, Bavram, was married to the Imre Shol's daughter, and the current Majitzer Rebbe studied in the Panavij Yeshiva, as did his brother, who took the name Kazmir out of family lore. Very interesting. So that's about Majitz. He also had a Borough Park episode recently, so I got a lot of good feedback from that. Here's a couple of letters. Here it goes, Rav Menashe Klein and the Barapark Erev. Some might not have realized that the Erev that he spearheaded in 1981 and was vehemently opposed. There's a famous letter with Rav Moshe Feinstein and many others from 1982 is not the current Barapark Erev. 
After the opposition, the Erev idea was essentially dropped. The current Erev and its controversy was made in about 1999. He actually had no part in it when he was asked about the new Erev and its success. He responded by citing the Gemara and Brachas, Zoyche Nase Melachtecha Al Yedei Acherim. Your work is done and accomplished by others. Here's another Bar Park letter about Rav Meisha Bik. Rav Meisha Bik, I always heard the pants joke that his pants fell off the clothing line hanging outside, not in a dryer, which is probably more historically accurate. How many people still remember the clothing lines full of clothing? You also commented about his interesting history from communist Russia to Yeshiva University to the Bronx and Bar Park. Interestingly enough, the Hamodia here in the United States had an article about him a few weeks ago. I was shocked that they refused to mention Rabbeinu Yitzchak Khanam by name. They said that after coming from Russia and learning in some local shtibels, he found an appropriate yeshiva to learn in where there were G'dayla Yisrael serving as Russia yeshiva. A nameless yeshiva, though they did mention that he learned by Rabbi Meisha Soloveitchik. Strange. Okay, that's another another great addition. We also had a, a, an alert listener who helped me out with the connection between Mujitz and Deblin. Apparently, Deblin is a city, and Mujitz is a neighborhood in the city of Deblin. So the mystery of the connection between the two names is solved. And this is one last one about Borough Park. Um, Reb Chatzkel Roth had apparently a heart attack at one point, and when he recovered, he gave his wife a new kiddushin, a new marriage, because he thought that during the heart attack he may have uh, been away from the living. And uh, that's also apparently typical of who Reb Chatzkel Roth is. And then on the last episode we had, which was about Beis ya- ostensibly about Beis Yaakov, though I digressed into an, a whole uh, overview of the Karlbach family, so a listener correct, made a very important correction that not all of Rabbi Yosef Tzvi Karlbach's children were killed in the Holocaust, and I knew that, I just didn't make it clear. Several of them survived and became very prominent in the Jewish world, and still are. Um, so again, we have this mini-series about Rabbi Baruch Berleibovich, the famed Kamenetz Rosh Hashiva. There's so much to say about him. Hope we make it all in this mini-series, and thank you for the sponsorship. And, of course, be in touch with me about sponsorships of episodes, series. You can have lectures, ritual tours. Um, you can touch with me about that as well. Um, I want to start off with a story, or something, a comment, rather, that my Rebbe in the Mir Yeshiva, Rabbi Asher Arieli, uh, mentioned once. We were talking to him after the shir, and uh, someone brought up, or he brought up, either a Rav Baruch Ber or a Marsha. I don't remember which one it was. And he said, uh, Heint is the yard site. It was the fifth day of Kislev. And he said, today is the yard site. And he said, Zolstavisen, you should know that Rav Baruch Ber and the Marsha have the same exact yard site. They're both passed away on the fifth day of Kislev. And he says, do you want to know why? So I said, yeah, I would like to know why. And Rav Asher said, the Rabbanishadim will uns wissen. Hashem wants us to know. As Pshat on Ken Lamdis is garnished, and Lamdis on Ken Pshat is Eich garnished. You have to have the Lamdis, the analytical, in depth Talmudic analysis and study, together with the Pshat, the simple, basic understanding of the Gemara text 
They both have to work together, and they do work together in order to come to the truth. And the Marsha, who's the Reb Shmuel Edels, the, the famed commentator from the rabbi in Rosh Hashiva in Austria, in Ukraine, we visit his uh, grave site uh, in, in our Ukrainian trips very often, and um, he lived in the 1600s, in the 1500s, 1600s, 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 and uh, both. And um, and the Baruch Ber, who symbolized, so he, Marsha symbol symbolized in his commentary, the pshat, the simple understanding of the Gemara. And Baruch Ber, of course, is the symbol of lambdas, of the the incisive, the in depth, the the uh, whatever, however you define lambdas, which I'm not going to get into. And the two work together. That's what Rabbi Asher was trying to teach us. And Baruch Ber is known for his lambdas. So he was also a very very human, very kind. He was a big tzaddik. He was a very holy Jew. And I want to speak a, a little more about that since I'm not competent to speak about a, in the slightest to speak about his his Torah or anything like that. I'm going to speak about him and his life and his world and stories. In fact, the name of the uh, the, uh, the biography, the official biography in Hebrew about her Baruch Ber is called Harav Hadoyme Lamalach, the rabbi, to quote, you know, uh, in, uh, taking a... Uh, Paraphrasing the Mishnah and, and others, the the rabbi who's who's doyme, who's similar to a malach to an angel, Rabbi Baruch Ber's countenance looked holy. He looked anyone who saw him was in awe of him. How holy when he eventually was in the United States and he met the mayor Jimmy Walker. He, he mayor Jimmy Walker said that he disproves Darwin's theory of evolution just by looking at him because some a human being like this can only have been created by God. So in the early years, um, you know, for the mayor of New York City to say that, and uh, it's, it was an impressive, impressive statement. Um, his early years, he's born in a small shtetl, a suburb of Slutsk in, in Belarus, in the Russian Empire at the time in 1870. I don't think it was a rabbinic family. His father seems to have been a regular layman, um, as far as I remember. And um, he went at a young age to study at the Velazhin Yeshiva, the great Velazhin Yeshiva, during its last golden age. And he became very close, perhaps the closest or one of the closest student of Reb Chaim Brisker, Reb Chaim Soloveitchik, who was the assistant Rosh Yeshiva to the Nitziv. And he was what brought the last golden age of Velazhin. He, he was very popular in his shir and his new style of learning, which Reb Baruch Ber adopted. And his relationship with Reb Chaim became the stuff of legend. Some of it actual legend and some of it actually true. But it became the stuff of legend because the Rebbe-Talmud relationship between Reb Baruch Ben and Reb Chaim became something as a almost a personification of the ultimate uh, relationship between a Rebbe and his student. He subsequently marries the daughter of the rabbi of Halusk, a town south of Minsk in Belarus, Rebbe Ram Yitzchak Zimmerman. Um, this is Rabbi Yitzchak Zimmerman, who was the rabbi in Halusk. He had a son, actually, named Rabbi Yaakov Moshe Zimmerman, who moved, who immigrated to the United States. And his son was the very, very famous Rabbi Chaim Zimmerman. Rabbi Chaim Zimmerman was the nephew of Rabbi Baruch Ber's wife, hence the nephew of Rabbi Baruch Ber. And that uh, the, the, the Zimmermans and the Zimmermans were a close family um, with Rabbi Baruch Ber. So this father-in-law of his, this rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak Zimmerman, he shortly afterwards becomes the rabbi in Ukraine, in Kremenchunk, uh, which uh, which is going to come back in this story later. And when he moves down to Kremenchunk, 
So Rebarch Ber replaces his father-in-law as the rabbi of the town. Again, he's the communal rabbi. He's a rabbi of the community. And we don't fit that to the image of Rebarch Ber as the ultimate Rosh Hashiva, as the ultimate Magid Shir. And Lamdis, he was the rabbi. He's a communal rabbi. And he paskined all the shilas in the community, halachic uh, questions. And uh, he, But he did open a yeshiva. He opened the yeshiva in Alusk, which was you know a small yeshiva, but it attracted... A following already, even though he was already young, he was already considered a prominent and young budding scholar. And in 1904, that's when he really enters the stage of, of yeshiva history because he's appointed to become the Rosh Yeshiva in Slabatka. Which yeshiva in Slabatka? Not the famous Musr yeshiva of Ramnasin Svifinkel, the elder of Slabatka, but the other yeshiva, the non Musr yeshiva. And that, which is an entire fascinating story about the two yeshivas and the split and Rebarch Ber's role and becoming the yeshiva there, that I will cover in part two. I want to cover that story because that really need to devote some time to and I want to get to some good stories about Rebarch Ber already in part one. So we're going to leave off from Rebarch Ber's life right here at this point when he becomes the yeshiva Slobatka and we'll take it from there in part two um, and and uh, and and, uh, and and so on. We'll, we'll move on to later, later when he was Rashiva in, in Kamenitz. Um, the Kamenitz was the last period of his life. It was actually for a pretty short time. It was only for about thirteen years, fourteen years, where he was the Rashiva in Kamenitz. But it was you know he was in Slabatka, and then it was during World War One. They were in exile. He was in Vilna for a period of time, for about five years also. After World War One, they're in, based in Vilna, and they eventually returned to Vilna at the beginning of World War Two. So they, they they go back to their roots. In any event, so there's there's uh, literally endless and fantastic stories about Rabbi Ber and his uh, the beauty of his ways and his personality and his humanity and his relationships with people. So I just wanted to share a few of them to start off and kick off uh, part one. I heard once from Rabbi Nata Frein, he's an elderly Yerushalmi Jew, a close Talmud of Rabbi Zalman Meltzer. He lived across the street from Mary Yeshiva. I used to eat Shalashudis by him and. He would say over stories, relate stories all the time, fantastic stories that he usually heard from either, you know, exper- you know, experienced or witnessed himself or heard from people who were there. So he used to say a story about Rav Baruch Bar, about his close relationship that he had with his father. And when his father was sick, so Rav Baruch Bar wanted to be by his bedside. And his father, who was very proud of his son, who was already a big Rosh Hashiva, he encouraged him to continue giving his shir. And Baruch Ber said, I, want you, I need to be by your side. I, uh, I, I can't leave you. He was old and sick and he seemed to be dying. And at one point his father convinced him to go ahead and deliver the shear. So he left his father's bedside and he went ahead and delivered his shear. And when he came back, his father had passed away. And Baruch Ber felt very guilty about that. That he was negligent in honoring his father and respecting his father, though he had honored his wishes to go ahead and, and, uh, and deliver the shear. So he was very distraught, and at one point, and he couldn't be consoled. And at one point, he met his rebbe, Reb Chaim Brisker, who noticed that he was, you know, very down, and he related the entire story to his rebbe, Reb Chaim. And Reb Chaim said, "Let's open a Rambam. We know we just had Yom Kippur. We talked about tshuva, and we tried to do tshuva. So, so Reb Chaim is telling him to open a Rambam uh, of Hilchas tshuva. And the Rambam states that when one does tshuva," You become a new person, a new human being, an entirely new, excuse me, a new being, a new individual. So, 
So he said to him, do you feel that you did something inappropriate? Did something wrong when you went and gave the shir and you weren't there when your father passed away? So Rabbi Huray said, yes, I feel I did something wrong. So if you did something wrong, did you do tshuva? He said, of course, I did tshuva. So Rabbi Chaim said, okay, so if you did tshuva, you're a different person. So you're not the Rebaruch Ber who did that Avera, who did this, um, this, uh, this, uh, some, this something that it was inappropriate. You're someone else. You're a new person. So what are you worried about? So Rebaruch Ber said to Rebaruch Ber, I'm a new Rebaruch Ber. So Rebaruch Ber said, yeah, you're a new person. And Rebaruch Ber, according to the story, started to dance. He said, I'm a new person. And that's uh, that's something that uh, that really says a lot about it. A, a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of things take out of that story. But um, similar, uh, there was a. This is also well, this is one of my favorite stories. This coming story is one of my favorite stories because it combines the greatness, the, the human side, the greatness as a person of who Baruch Ber was, the tzaddik that he was, and combines with that the what he's famous for as as a lamdin. His lumbus, um, and how the two were such a great synthesis together, and the story goes as as follows: He was there was once a rumor going around that the local shaykhit was no longer reliable, and he, it's not good, and you know whatever the rumors were, and rumors like that are common in different contexts all the time. You know, once the rumors spread, so the religious lobby went to town. And they said, you can't eat it, and anyone who, you know, you're not allowed to eat it, you have to, can't buy from it, you have to buy from a different butcher, a different shaykhit, and whatever. And Rebarach Ber continues to eat the shechita from this questionable uh, shaykhit, and now all these rumors were spreading about him. And the religious lobby went and approached Rebarach Ber and said, how can you eat it? There are rumors that it's not, you can't eat something that's of questionable kashras. And Rebarach Ber got very angry, and he went over to the stone, the brick wall of the of the building where they were standing. And he banged on the brick wall. And he says, you see this wall? He said, a chazaka is avant. A chazaka. When we assume that someone has a cheskas kashrus, that he, if he, he had a good reputation until now, until it's disproven, until he, you prove otherwise. A rumor cannot cannot disqualify someone from his chazaka, from his prior uh, you know, cheskes kashrus that he was assumed to be kosher until this point. A chazaka is avant; it's a wall. You can't move a chazaka. You can't break it. It's impossible. It's as strong as a wall. And until you actually disprove it, until you break down the wall, rumors are not going to allow someone to lose their parnasa. And I'm going to continue eating it and supporting this sheikhit until you prove otherwise. So here you have the. Again, the amazing, the tzaddik of Baruch Ber and the way he saw the lambdas. A chazak is avant. It's literally a wall there. And, uh, you know, one time he had a, a child, I think it was, yeah, it was his daughter. His daughter was engaged to a, a, seemingly a fine fellow who broke off the engagement for seemingly no apparent reason. And Rebarach Ber was very hurt. His daughter was very hurt. It was a very difficult period of time. Lo and behold, this young man comes by at a later period of time after he had, you know, uh, broken this girl's heart and her father. And, uh, and, uh, and he says, I'm trying to get a rabbinical position in a town, and would you be able to write a smicha for me? He has the goal to go ahead and ask her Baruch Ber to write a smicha. And he went ahead and wrote it. 
he wrote this smicha and he even asked other people to read it and said, does it seem like I'm not giving him the full compliment? Does it seem like I'm holding anything back? I have no right to hold anything back from him because of any personal vendetta that I have because of what I experienced. He, the test was, does he know Yeridea? Does he know how to be a Rav? And, uh, and, and, and there's no reason for me to abstain from doing that just because he hurt me personally. So he totally removed himself from the picture. He was someone who despised newspapers and had a lot to say about it. But then after Hitler's rise to power and the Jews of near, n- nearby Germany were starting to be persecuted and there's all kinds of anti-Jewish legislation going on in Germany. He's in the safety of Poland. So he, he was very concerned about German Jewry. So he started to buy the newspaper and he would read the newspaper every day. And he said that by reading the newspaper after Hitler's rise to power is a requirement. Why? Because that's Naisei Ba'olim Chaveirai. In order to feel the pain of what our fellow Jews are going through, it's, it's, I, I need to read the paper. I need to be able to feel it. I need to be able to understand what's going on with them. And he said, he once said about himself, he said, what do I have in my merit? What do I have going for me in the world to come? And he's in his modest way, he's talking about the biggest Lamdan, the biggest Rosh Hashiva out there, where the top students of the entire Lithuanian Yeshiva world were going to study by him. He said, what do I have? I don't have any Torah. I don't have any anything. I'll tell you one thing I do have, and this is my ticket into Elam Abba, into the world to come, is that I love my fellow Jews. I love the Jewish people, and I love every individual. My Ahavas Yisrael is what's going to get me into Elam Abba. That's something he said also. He was... Um, he was a great tzaddik. He put a great emphasis on Kedusha. He would never look up when he walked in the streets. He would never look around. When he would be walking with someone, he would ask his, the one who was accompanying him, his, whoever it was, a student or whatever it was, he would ask him if he sees a policeman walking by, then he should let him know. And whenever he told, alerted him that there was a, a Polish policeman walking by, he would salute him. He would give him a a sign of salute, a sign of respect. He said, policemen who are protecting our streets deserve respect. So even though he's not looking up in the street, but he wants to salute the policemen. Now, interestingly, in the, about him not looking anywhere in his Kedusha, so when he, so one time Rav Ruderman was visiting Rav Pinchas Tights in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And, and Rav Pinchas Tights said, I want to tell you, you're going to be here for Shabbos, I want to tell you that my daughter's they they sing at the Shabbos table. They enjoy, enjoy singing the Zmiris. So I just don't want you running out. So he said, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't run out. Uh, you know, I respect my host and his, his daughters and the way it is. Uh, so so he said, no, because when Baruch Ber was here, he couldn't handle the girls singing. He simply ran out of the room. So Rav Ruderman had studied at the Slabatki Yeshiva of Rav Alter Slabatka of Musser. And Rav Baruch Ber was the Rosh Yeshiva of the other Yeshiva. So Rav Ruderman said, yeah, Rav Baruch Ber, he was the other Yeshiva. But in the Musser style of Slabotka, we would never run out of the room. But that's who Rav Baruch Ber was. He was running out of the room when that happened. Um, so the, the, um, the, when Rav Baruch Ber's Yeshiva in Kamenetz uh, was faced financial trouble, or financial crisis really, it was an absolute disaster, uh, so he and his son-in-law, his dedicated son-in-law, who was really the one running Kamenitz at that point, Ruben Guzovsky. So they went to the United States to fundraise. They were there for almost two years. Um, they went in 1929, just around the time of the stock market crash when things got really bad. 
He stayed for close to two years in the United States. And, you know, he, though he missed his yeshiva and it was hard for him to travel around and to raise money and everywhere, but he had a great impact on anyone who he met in America. And in fact, Rucham Hashain in her, in her legendary book, All for the Boss, describes, um, you know, quite a few interesting stories about Rav Baruch Ber's time in, in America, whether he was a guest at their house. In fact, they were, Rav Baruch Ber and Ruvin were told before they even left Europe that they should eat by Rabbi Yaakov Yasef Herman, of all for the boss fame. And they were disappointed when he didn't come to meet them at the docks. And uh, Rabbi Yaakov Yasef Herman took Rucham Hashem, his daughter, to greet them at the hotel and to invite them over. So they were relieved that he arrived and invited them. And they, he, whenever they were in New York, they ate by him. So she was a witness close, you know, close up, a witness to Rav Baruch Ber as a child. She said that he held an unlit cigarette in his mouth most of the time. And he explained, Rav Baruch Ber explained that his father, who he met, said a story about his father and the relationship that he had with his father, he once said to him, I'd be happier if you didn't smoke. And if his father said that, that was it. He never smoked again because his father would be happier. And how could I not want to make my father happier? So he had an unlit cigarette in his mouth. She described that his Shabbos smiris were heavenly, literally an experience never to be forgotten, a sweet voice. He used to compose songs, actually. Some of them are uh, sung till today, even ones that are that we don't even know for sure if he composed, but are attributed to him, but attributed to him is enough for us to like the song. And Rabarch Ber called in Rucham Hashem to bless her amidst the commotion of his leaving at the end of the two years. Uh, he, you know, he didn't forget. There's a lot of people there and a lot going on. But the daughter of his host, he wanted to give her her own special blessing. This is also the, aside from the time that he blessed her when she went looking for his rain boots. She went searching for his rain boots and she found them. So he gave her a blessing at that time also. Um, he um, he one time Rebbe Bear was once in him attending a drush or some sort of speech by someone, and he looked very agitated until finally he took off his hat, put it on his chair, and walked out of the speech. And this, well, to find out, maybe he didn't agree with uh, with something in the speech. What happened? What was disturbing him so much? So they asked him afterwards, what, what happens? He said, it's very simple. I had to use the facilities. And uh, I didn't want people to think that I'm leaving the speech because there's something wrong with the speech. It's disrespect to the one giving the speech. But I had to go. So I took off my hat. He said, if I took off my hat, then obviously I'm coming back, because how could people people think, how could I, Baruch Ber Leibovich, I'm a Ben Taira, how would I go anywhere without my hat? It must be that I'm coming right back, and I'm not really leaving the speech. That was what I thought of to do, that was the trick, to be able to get it, that I, sh- I should be able to leave, but I'm coming right back because my hat is there. So, that was, um, you know, he, he had a very close relationship with, with uh, the son of his Rebbe from Volozhin, Ramesh Salovechik. He's actually the one who recommended Ramesh Salovechik for the position at Yeshiva Srebeni Yitzchakhan, already Yeshiva College. And he uh, even, even an earlier story in Warsaw, we discussed this in the episode about Ramesh Salovechik. He defended him. There was a defamation campaign against Ramesh Salovechik in the internal rabbinate of, in, in Warsaw, in Poland at the time. And Rabarach Ber defended Ramesh Salovechik, and then he recommended him for the position. And during his time in the United States, he actually delivered a shir. Baruch Ber delivered a shir at, at Yeshiva College of Yitzchakhanan. And he was there during the time that, um, that I'm sorry, I said before that he came in 1929. He came in 1928, excuse me. 
and he was there when the Mechitzer Ilui, Shlomo Poliachik, who was also his friend from Valazhin, um, passed away, and he delivered the main hespid for the Mechitzer uh, um, um, at Rebbein Yitzchuk Hanes. This is for part one. There's a lot more to say, and uh, we're going to get to everything. We're going to get to part two, part three, and if necessary, even more. This was Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at Yehuda at YehudaGeber.com for questions, comments, sources, tours, trips, sponsorships, lectures, um, anything else. You can subscribe to our podcast on Podbean or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at JSoundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.